Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Welcome again to another incredible episode where I have the honor of interviewing these everyday innovators across the globe who are innovating, thinking differently, rejecting status quo, finding a need in the marketplace that nobody's filling and going after it. And today is no exception. So I'm excited to dig into this interview. So let's get to it. So Garter, welcome to the show. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and the world that you're in. Thank you, Tamara. Pleasure to be here. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Gartar Stefansson. Uh, I'm an Icelandic-based entrepreneur. So uh, the world uh, I'm in is the consumer packaged good world. We uh, and two of my co-founders and uh, a great team of uh, uh, amazing people, we are running a company that is called Good Good. Uh, we develop and design and produce and market no added sugar products with natural ingredients. Hence the name. Good, good. It has to be good for you and tastes good. Well, I like the combination of those because I feel like oftentimes with healthy products in the market, you get one and not the other. You know, like it's good for you, but it tastes like crap or right. It tastes really good, but not so good for you. Exactly. And that was basically an anomaly when we started. It was like the market was flooded with healthy products that, you know, really good for you and had all the right nutritional, but it didn't taste good. So, so that has always been a challenge for us to really dig into that and, you know, try to maximize amazing taste with really good, better for you ingredients. So will you talk about the little bit about the journey to get there? Because I, I don't think you start a, you start a company or launch a product just because you have some time on Saturday. No, and that's not exactly, exactly right. So, uh, I mean, I always been entrepreneurial minded. So, uh, and this is not my first venture. I started in the salt business, developing and designing sustainable sea salt flakes in Iceland. Then I exited that business and two of the co-founders of Good Good approached me, uh, Johan Inge Christiansen and Agna Lemax. And they were like really uh, in love with uh, the sweetener company making stevia drops. And I immediately became fascinated not of you know making the stevia drops i really like that product but about using these natural sweeteners you know that are really sweet taste amazing and have zero effect on the, the anatomy of the body so so that was what captured me in the beginning and all the possibilities to substitute sugar which is uh, you know the bad main ingredient of of the in the food world with those great sweeteners so so that's basically how the journey started and i mean uh, and you just you know we started with the stevia drops and then we brought the erythritol and sweet stevia blend to the mix but then we 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 ran into a problem because uh, they were not selling so well and we had a lot of sweeteners that are about to be expired so uh, so we had to do something with it we didn't want to throw it away we were against food waste in our company and immediately an idea popped to my head and that was to create jams. I had uh, often in the autumn, I go to the mountains, I pick blueberries and I make, you know, jams. And I know it's like 60% sugar, like it's almost more than that sometimes. 
And I was like, okay, that's a great idea to use it. And then we just started to develop this jam recipe in our kitchens. I had the Ica, you know, saucepan and everything, and I was mixing everything together. The first batch was absolutely horrible. Uh, you know, wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but then, I mean, we got quite a good touch, and uh, that's the beginning of our most popular products today, which are our, our jams, sugar-free jams. So, so with that being said, I mean, it has been a really an amazing journey, and, and now, uh, like with the newest Spins data, Spins is like Nielsen, it gives you great insight. We are the top 17 brand in the U.S. in the jams, and four years later, since we were you know, actually doing these jams in our kitchens, and we have like tons of other products, you know, already in the market, chocolate spread, chocolate orange, syrups, bars, and more interesting products that are in the pipeline. So really excited. So this is so great. And I'm so glad you shared the journey because I have two questions for you that come out of that. One is, if I heard you right, you said part of the inspiration with this, with this blend of you, you went and picked blueberries, you like to make jam, and then you had this expired product or product that was going to expire in your warehouse manufacturing production plant, whatever you call it. And it was kind of the combination of those two things. And the reason I just want to ask you a little bit about that is because I think oftentimes the best innovation or the best solution to something, right, comes from the thing that's right in front of us that is not being used correctly. You know what I mean? Like it's there, but we're not, we're not seeing it as an opportunity. So I just talk a little bit more about that because it's fascinating to me that you're like, oh, I like blueberries and hey, right. I've got this thing that like, I don't know what to do with. It's about to go bad, but I don't want to waste it. Yeah. It's a, it's a great uh, question, Tamara. And it's really, I mean, it happens every day. It's not only about products. It's also about processes or, you know, how you're going to do your work better. And it's often there right in front of you from the start. And, 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 you know, it just, you know, it, it has to incorporate that. And that's what we try to do here in Good Good is to incorporate that experimental vision, just like here's a problem. And that doesn't mean it's a problem. Often problems will lead to great innovations like happened with our jams. And that's just about, you know, creating an entrepreneurial spirit at the workplace being open-minded, not look at problems or review, you know, view problems as a, a black hole or an ending point, but rather as often a, a jumping point to to see, you know, where you're going at a certain time and, you know, really take the temperature on where you're going and what you can do with the situation. So absolutely. It's- I love that whole, like, hey, I think we should all hear this. I'm just going to say it again. The Garter, you're the one who said it, but problems are actually opportunities. And we just, if we look at them that way, it kind of changes, like it changes the trajectory, which it has for you because now good, good is right. Top 17% of brands in the US. And that's a big market. I want to ask you about that too. So I don't know that I'd call myself a health nut, but I train for a lot of things. So I'm often looking for healthier options for things and cooking a lot at home and, um, yeah, right. Like I make my egg protein powder keto bread and like I'm all about that stuff. Yeah, I'm all about it. So because if I don't, I don't feel good. So I I know, right? I know that it's there there's a physical and mental reason why I think healthier foods are so important. It's not just because I want to, you know, shop at Whole Foods all the time and spend all my money there. Mm-hmm. But but here's my question to you, because as, the reason I bring that up is I spend a lot of time in the in the healthy food aisles, right? And on the perimeter of the stores too. And it's overwhelming sometimes how many not so great options are. But sometimes I have a hard time, just being honest, I have a hard time filtering through what is something I should really want or is really going to be good. 
and good forming to your point, good in terms of taste. How did you think about bringing your product to market so that you didn't just you didn't just add to all the noise that's out there in the healthy category? Yeah, and it's 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 it. I mean, it's a great question, and it's 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 really uh, a difficult process to to get to where we're at. But I mean, we always focused on you know uh, living to the brand promise. Good, good. I mean, it has to taste good. That's fifty percent, you know, and the product has to be healthy. So, so I mean, we are always interested in creating lifelong customers. So, you know, like you're describing the health aisles, also my favorite place. Just <laughs> want to add that. But uh, I mean, we want people to buy them again. We want our consumers to, you know, eat our products and consume them at the brunch table with the family, and you know, tell about it, tell the story. You know, it's like it tastes actually good, and just look at the nutritional values. It's it's amazing. You know, so you feel good about it, and. That's our overall goal is, you know, to establish that connection with our core consumers. And uh, that's sacred to us and we don't want to mess it up. So, so, and that's, that's how we keep the ball rolling is creating that relationship. And, and then it's just word of mouth. I mean, when we started, when we got into the U.S. And I mean, uh, I mean, we went to Expo West in, in Anaheim. It's an amazing trade show. Uh, we were discovered there by a retailer that brought us in, had a lot of trust in us. So that was Meyer, which we are really thankful for. And we're doing quite great things today uh, in those great stores. And that's that's our first, you know, uh, touch base with the U.S. market. And, uh, and it's just, you know, about doing it right from the beginning. You know, if being honest with everyone, yourself, your customers, your team. And just going there step by step, and and that's what we noticed is that, I mean, a lot of consumers just starting writing reviews about us on the internet. Uh, a keto couple uh, voted our jams top ten best keto jams on the market or number one in the top ten. Uh, we have over five thousand reviews on Amazon on jams. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it that there were so many people who actually wanted to write the review about. <laughs> A jam, <laughs> but it's like uh, so. It, I mean, and that's it's all four and a half star. And I mean, it's just about creating that relationship with you know delivering what you promise. So, so th- there's a couple things in there that I want to highlight because you said them kind of quickly, but I think they're really important lessons for all of us. Um, you know, one is you said we're trying to build lifelong customers, and oftentimes when I so I have a background in consumer packaged goods. I spent 20 years doing new product development and. One of the things that they always talk about is trial and then repeat, trial and then repeat. So you're like either focused on trial or you're focused on repeat. And I love that you didn't say that, that you said we're trying to build lifelong customers. And to me, that mindset and that perspective as a starting point takes you down a whole different path. So if you're out there trying to do something new, I would think about your starting point and how you're thinking about your customers, whether those are customers in the marketplace or your leadership or whoever it is that you need to convince to buy from you. But that's a whole different perspective, I think, than just like, oh, I want trial and oh, I want repeat. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I mean, we have a whole room of products that we have developed that just like don't meet our criteria. They taste horrible and, and you know, or the nutritional facts are not correct. We don't launch them. I mean, it's just that simple. Uh, if it isn't good, good, then it doesn't go to market. And, and that's key for us that, you know, we want repeated purchase. We want you to be happy with the purchase. And uh, and that's how we're going to build, hopefully, our success in the end. And I think that's key. 
Well, your brand promise is in the name, which is pretty cool. And what a great guidepost for decisions. But also, I, I love that you said all those reviews about jam. I, if you can make something that people love, you have the most amazing marketing team out there. I mean, that is how these days I get all the things that I buy or like somebody was like, oh my God, I saw it on TikTok. You know, I think that's like the foundation for every product in my house right now. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Um, I I wanted to ask you, this is kind of a two sides of the same coin. So I'm going to ask these two questions together and you can kind of, you know, weave the answers as how you see fit. One is what's something innovative that you've done at Good Good that you're most proud of? And And the flip side to that is what's one of the biggest challenges you've had and how have you overcome it? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, we we live and live and breathe innovation here. That's just uh, when we onboard a new employee, we we encourage them to experiment, and building that culture is like it's like we incorporate mistakes as a part of the you know process of you know being successful and yeah. you know getting things done. So you do it in a small scale, you learn, you become you know much better going forward. Uh, and so so the biggest thing we have done an innovation is, you know, I think is, you know, because we are quite product related this, how we, how we view the products, how we make them. So, so the balance of using the right amount of natural sweeteners with the right ingredients, fibers, proteins, you know, in some products we make, is just the most innovative things we do uh, product wise. It's, uh, and that's, 
you know, all the reviews is about that, how we managed to do it and, and, and still get that great taste and keep the nutritional palate. That's the innovation of the product sense that we are very proud of. And I think it's really just, you know, the, the experimental nature that is, uh, that I'm actually more, most proud of as innovation that we have brought it along to all the new team members we have. So it doesn't matter if you're in product development or in sales, we encourage that experimental nature, you know, how we can approach things from all sides and, you know, try to do it differently and better and, you know, trying to fulfill that promise. So, so yeah, that is uh, a very boring answer to a really great question. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think, no, I think it's great. And here's what I, I think is really important in there is that culture of experimentation. So I have to talk about how like it, presentations or ideas go to die. So, you know, if you spend all your time presenting ideas in PowerPoints and never actually doing it, I think that's why the craziest ideas or most innovative ideas get shut down is because they look crazy on paper. But if we can try them and test them and build them and experiment, we really understand what works about them, what doesn't work about them, if it's a good idea, if it needs to be shelved, you can't get that on paper. So I, I, when I look at companies and people that are successful, it's because they experiment. So I, I'm really excited to hear you say that as part of like, this is what we are as a company, because I, I know for a fact that that is what leads to not just innovation, but success because you put the right things out there. Exactly. And it, I mean, that's, we try to be agile and, and speed this, our, our, our secret weapon, you know, when we are competing to the big guys, you know, we are. We can do fast. We can act faster. We can change to different environment, and we're not afraid to make that change. Of course, we reflect on it. We try to bring as much data and research, you know, before we make the decision. But we we act fast. So 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 that's uh, that's we that's our secret weapon. I would say often. So let me flip it. Um, and what's the challenge, and how have you overcome it? Yeah, the challenge is that uh, you often do mistake. But you're too fast, and uh, and you you maybe don't have all the information in place before you you take that big step. And I mean, we have some cases of that. I mean, when we start first started to sell in the U.S. market our products, uh, we totally got uh, the pricing wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, we are of course Icelanders and part of Europe, so so there's a different pricing and mindset and. Even though we're so close, and we grew up to American television and seeing all the shows, you and you know, and knowing all this language, it's, you know, still. it's like yeah. it's 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 still so different culturally uh, in terms of not so different culture, but in terms of like strategy and business. So so that was the biggest mistake when we started. We we got the pricing wrong. We we, we priced our products too inexpensive. We yeah. did not incorporate for the promotional setups, and that was a big hurdle. We 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 learned on the way that on how we should do this correctly. So, so we are cautious now uh, when we are implementing a new product and we know a little bit more and we have great network and great partners and great employees in the States. Uh, but that was just like, we just want to go in fast and, you know, and start selling. And uh, which was a good thing because we went into the US market, but, but at the same time, we did a, a, a quite big mistake there, but we have learned from it. So, so just the short answer is, I mean, the flip side is, you know, if you're experimental, if you are too, you know, fast, you often do mistakes, but uh, we try to incorporate them and try to do them in small scale. Do you think though, if you had 
spent another month investigating pricing that you would have gotten it right? Or do you think you needed that mistake to figure out what was right? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I probably would, we probably would have done that mistakes, you know, again, I think, and then maybe we would have lost our chance of pitching the product. We were constantly researching it. So, so I think we had to make that mistake and I'm glad we did it in the beginning and we yeah, know quite quickly uh, instead of doing it now. And so, so, I mean, and that's also, I mean, really important as you say i mean you do mistakes we are human and we are you know we do mistakes by default you know but it's like but we improve ourselves if we learn from mistakes and you know that's the biggest lesson of them it's just like learning by doing and reflecting then on what have could have done gone better and and, and etc so so it's so interesting. I just want to take a second to tell the audience what type of everyday innovator you are, because I'm hearing it in everything you're talking about. So it's very cool, but futuristic, instinctual. So instinctual is all about connecting the dots in more circuitous ways. So the way I think, right, might be A to B to C to D. And the way you think is more A to X over to Y back to A. And I think we kind of heard it when you were talking about I like to pick blueberries, right? And then I've got this thing in the in the production house that's expiring. Like you see, you connect dots in new and meaningful ways that the rest of us see as random things that don't connect. And the um, futuristic side is all about the forest through the trees. So being able to see forward, like what's coming next. Today's problems kind of become tomorrow's opportunities, which is kind of funny that you said problems or opportunities because I was like, oh my God, he's so futuristic. That's so interesting. So that combination is about connective and forward innovation. Um, and it, it's exciting for me. And I think in the food business in particular, where I think it's very easy to get very siloed in the category. And so I hope that for you, that means continually bringing in those dots that kind of create new innovation, because um, I think like, so here's my thing with the, with the food category. If you've ever gone down the cereal aisle, it is ridiculous. Like it is a thousand of the same thing just vying for your attention. And I think it's a, to me, it's always a great reminder of why innovation and being different, like good, good has done and really bringing something meaningful to market is important because I think the last time I went down the cereal aisle, it was like 5% fiber, 7% fiber, 10% fiber, some fiber and some vitamins. And I'm like, they're not anything different. Why, why are you putting this all, why are you taking this entire aisle for this crap? You know, when you could bring something meaningful to the market, which is, I think, what good good is done. I don't know what my question is in there, but just wrapping the whole food category and innovation <laughs> together. Yeah, and I mean uh, that's I mean for us that's a great thing what you're describing. That uh, I mean people tend to go wherever one is going, and they think maybe fibers are the trend in in the cereal, just as an example. And I mean, I mean, key to to succeed as a an up and coming and emerging brand is to differentiate, be different, and. Be true to yourself about your offerings. Don't mess up, you know, your customer relationship, and don't don't sell something that you don't promise something that you don't sell. Uh, so, so, so that's key for us is to differentiate and be different, and uh, and that's just the opportunity ahead for innovative brand is to, you know, because as you're explaining, it's easy to just do what everyone else is doing and they think that it's working, but it's it takes a lot of courage and uh, God to do something different and stand by it, you know, and, and, and stay there. And it, it, it is often hard at times. I mean, we have had unsuccessful products, you know, uh, that uh, we had to discontinue uh, 
But then again, we have much more of successful products uh, that are doing really well uh, in comparison. And that's just because we had the stomach to take it all the way. And I mean, and that's just part of the entrepreneurial journey is to do that and be different and, you know, and try to create attention about it any way or the other. But the best attention is, as you explained earlier, is the, like the products you buy is like what people are saying you they bought and they're happy with or what's happening on TikTok, which is a medium we're also researching at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be amazed how much I am. And, and everyone I know is now shopping on TikTok. But, but I think uh, I just want to highlight one thing you said in there, which is there's a lot of great advice in that everything you just said. And you said, you know, having the courage and seeing it through. I think most of us give up halfway to the goalpost because we just, the, we lose our courage. We lose our um was what I'm looking for, like our confidence in ourselves. And, and it becomes very easy because you hit all those roadblocks along the way. It's never a straight line to success. So it's very easy. We give up almost like, you know, it's like running a marathon and giving up at mile 23 or something like that. So I don't I think you guys do kilometers, but you know what I mean? And yeah, so it's, it's that giving up too quickly. Um, so, and on that note, and I feel like you just gave a lot of advice, but let me just make sure I ask it is as a futuristic instinctual, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators of all types? There's a whole like range of different types of ways to innovate. What advice do you have for them though for doing what you just said, which is innovating and you know impacting the market and putting something out there that you really feel good about? Yeah, and I mean, it's a really good question. And it comes, I mean, it also is aligned with what we discussed in you know beginning of the interview is like problem is an opportunity. So, so, I mean, a part of being an entrepreneur is to make mistakes. A part of the entrepreneurial journey is to be depressive often at time with unsuccessful sales, product launches, innovation. And I mean, and, and you often have to look at those lows as an opportunity to reflect. And because then you are the best critic, because then you are really... Uh, pessimistic and you like and then you should really dig in deep to the actual problems and see where can i turn this around and change it and and you know if you have uh if you can't do that then i mean you can really change something uh to the better so it's just you know, you know hang in there and just like don't give up if you believe in what you're doing and uh you know and reflect on it talk about it get that you know tell people how you feel and it's like, uh, and uh, you know, fix the small things. You don't always have to fix the big picture. I mean, just fix one thing. It's just like making your bed in the morning. You know, if you do it uh, regularly, you will instantly feel better. And it's just like the same applies in entrepreneurship. If you just fix one small detail on your product that maybe is faulty, you'll feel a little bit better. You get more confidence. And then suddenly uh, many small changes will lead to a big, great change. So first of all, I'm a big believer in making your bed every morning. It is, I don't know why, it just is, it it sets the tone for the day. I'm a big believer in that and never hitting snooze. So you'll never see me hit snooze. Yeah. I, I either get up or I don't, right? There's no in between for me. Because why start the day procrastinating? I, I want to ask you about something you said. You said when you're in the lows, that's actually when you're most pessimistic. So that's when you're kind of critical, right? And you're really thinking through what went well, what didn't go well. 
that's interesting to me because I think oftentimes we think about the lows as the place to just get yourself back up, right? Like, don't be too hard on yourself, get yourself back up. But what you said is a little bit counter to that, and I'm intrigued by it. So I'm, I'm, I just want to hear you just dig a little bit deeper on like when you're in that low, what for you, what kind of questions are you asking yourself? What are you thinking about? How are you using that time? to better yourself, but not put on the pretend rosy glasses that I think we often talk about is what we should do because, you know, you don't want to be low. Like don't, don't give yourself grace and like pop out when it's kind of not what you said. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just deadly honest with yourself at that moment, even too harsh and critical. And I mean, I think it's just really good to, to, you know, pick up, you know, at that point, you know, there's only one way and that's at, and you're at your lowest. And I mean, and then you can honestly give yourself feedback on what went wrong and even oftentimes to hearts, which will then soften as you will go along. But it's like, and then you can really analyze what went wrong or what was not done right. Uh, and, and often when people are, you know, really successful, they are blinded by the manic success and make huge mistakes and i'm all for making mistakes but small scale yeah uh, because they have overconfidence in that they can do anything and they have something got so so i think it's just you should just embrace the 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 human emotional parameter uh, you know and just like it's not normal to be always up in the skies you know we are fluctuational uh, species by default and that's just part of being a human being and also big part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you innovate, you you are when you're doing something different, you have no choice but to hit the highs and the lows. Um, and I do think when you're up high, you tend to drink more of your own Kool-Aid and that's not good for anybody. But I really that just that kind of blew my mind a little bit because now I'm going to think about that on the like moments because they're not always big epics. Sometimes it's just a moment that you're really low, but to use that as a place to be honest with myself and dig myself up versus trying to like sugarcoat it so that I, you know, try to avoid the feelings of not feeling so great about whatever it is that's going on. All right. This, you, uh, this has been so good. So first of all, I mean, I'll put a link in the show note, uh, show notes in the description and all that to good, good. Um, and everybody should go out and buy it because it is fantastic. And I've actually tried it. So I know, but and it's because I, this, you guys, I think reached out to me and I was like, oh yeah, I totally want to talk to him. And then I went, to the store and was like, well, hey now, like let's get this on the, let's get this. So it's fantastic. My last question to you is more on the personal side, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Oh, uh, one thing that, yeah, I am an amateur semi-professional sheep herder. <laughs> yes. Every year I go to the mountains and I herd sheep in Iceland. So that is probably the most surprising thing it's normal for us strange icelanders but uh yeah i am <laughs> okay. that's what our team in usa i think is really weird but yeah i go there uh, i you know stay at the farm I, i'm i'm uh, we, we go into these big jeeps we are driven up to the mountains and then i'm left there for, for almost two days to herd sheep down wow so i have to yeah. i have to ask because actually in some ways you're by yourself right uh, you there or are you with other people uh, we are, but there are like a couple of miles between us. Okay. So that's we have walkie-talkie. <laughs> okay. That sounds amazing to me to be alone. Like that sounds amazing yeah. to be up like in nature alone. But do you really enjoy that time? Like, is that your I just have to know why you keep doing it. 
I just love it. I mean, you just go there. It's so basic. We sleep in a, a small room at the farm. Uh, we are meeting the farmers that are not doing what I'm doing every day. They're not, they're not worried about margins or, you know, what's happening in retail or CPG. They're thinking about the weather. They're thinking about their stock. They're thinking about, you know, their sheep. And it's just, you know, it, it, it grounds you and it reminds you on, you know, who we are. Uh, you know, when coming from a farming society to, yeah. you know, an industrialized, an urban, yeah. uh, you know, society, an urban society. And it, it just, it gives you peace. And I mean, just to be left out there, at, you know, in the nature during autumn time is really windy and cold. It's just really amazing. Yeah. I, I'll, just, I'll tell you very quickly. I spent part of my time on a cattle ranch in the middle of New Mexico in the middle of nowhere and feeding cows and fixing fence. And, and I do all this, right. I'm on zoom. I'm doing all this all the time, but I love it because those moments it's not as isolated, but it's hard work. It's physical work. You know, like you're working with your hands, tasks are done or not done. And you're out there like, you know, just with the animals. (laughs) Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. And nothing else to do. Just like, I know. Okay. And you just, ha- and you have to do it, right. You yeah. have to get it done. And I do find that people that grow up on farms, at least in the U S I found have the most incredible work ethic. Like really they're much more just get it done people. And I think that's just part of like, you know, what you learn growing up. So anyway, that's a whole different conversation. Garner, thank you so much for joining me. I love what you're doing over at good, good. So keep it up. And as you have just not just shared about the product, but I think giving, given us uh, a lot of nuggets of wisdom to think about in terms of how to drive innovation in our own world. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tamara. Really a pleasure. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tamara will be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, listens bigger impact until next time